0: Hi, and welcome to Passive Christian Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message, that it will both challenge and inspire you. As we were going through worship, praising the Lord just a few minutes ago, I felt there was a word for you as a church, but you as individuals. And, and it was to do with connecting with the Holy Spirit not saying you're not please understand I'm not accusing you of you're not believing in the Holy Spirit I'm not saying that but I just felt to ask you to stand one more time just to stand if you can and the, the picture I got the vision I got was if you could put both hands out like that and close your eyes and, and the vision I had was the Holy Spirit standing in front of you, putting his hands on top of yours. What you need to notice is in this moment, there is nothing in your hands. You've let go of everything if someone was to put their hands on top of yours now for you to take a hold of them, and I want you to do this, I felt that you need to do this, is to close your hand like hold, with your thumb just as if you're holding someone's hand, the Holy Spirit's hands. The word was simply that if you hold the Holy Spirit's hands, what you're doing is you're making a connection with him. Like I said before, not that you haven't already or you don't, but you're making a, a purposeful connection with him. You're preparing to align your eyesight with his, your heart with his, your walk with his. In essence, it's like a dance, two people holding hands to dance, whether they sway, whether they take a few steps, <clears throat> but you need to be in unity with the Holy Spirit and holding his hands and gazing into his eyes. You're aligning yourself with him, with his vision, with his heart, with his move, with his walk. Because he wants to take you on a journey into the next season of your life and as a church into the next season of this church. If you're holding, and the beauty of holding two hands is that you can't walk off in your own direction because you're holding two hands. And the beauty of holding two hands is that you you can focus on the Holy Spirit. He's calling you as individuals and as a church to focus on the Holy Spirit, to walk hand in hand, vision aligned, heart aligned, purpose aligned and unified with him. in Jesus name I felt that was the that's what I saw it was the vision and the word for someone here today if not everyone but also as a church because seasons you can take your seats seasons come and go the word of God speaks about seasons quite often and you're coming into a new season who's been in that place where they go ah? Oh, I wish it was summer because it's so cold. Or I wish it was winter because it's so hot. Or you get to that middle ground, winter's changing to summer and it's just the right temperature. I'd love to just stay here in this temperature. The days are perfect. There's no storms. It's not freezing. There's no frost and I'm not sweating profusely. Who knows what I'm talking about? But if you don't go into the next season, you're stuck in that place. Apart from that, um, it's not about promoting books, but I have written a couple of books. This one's called The Journey Out. I've brought some with me today there for sale. The Journey Out, But The Journey To Where? That's got uh, a bit of my testimony in it. Some of you have heard of my testimony, and I just give all glory to God for my testimony, for what he's done in my life. And the next one is called, this is the latest one, uh, Winning in the Battlefield of the Mind. Very... Strategic, and and that was I published that one this year, early this year. I uh, finished writing it late last year, published it this year. They're up the back at the moment for fourteen dollars each, or ten dollars to sponsor. What that means is, that one of these books. If you sponsor a book, I will give them to Prison Fellowship Queensland, or uh, Transformations Drug Rehab, or who's heard of Transformations? Anyone who's heard of Prison Fellowship? Queensland or Australia International. So so I'll get these two Prison Fellowship and they will go into Queensland prisons uh, if you'd like to sponsor one. So it's $10 to sponsor, uh, $14 to take one home and um, that would be amazing. And what I believe is that God will use these to impact people's lives. Everything and anything that people have been through and you might want to read it and go, wow, that's really changed me. So... You might want to read it and go, oh, I'll pass this on. And then tell them when you read it, pass it on. And uh, God will speak to people. I have no doubt about that. I'll speak about some of that today. But to start with, let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you. We give you all the glory, the praise and the honour. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives as individuals and as a church. We pray that today you would speak to us that we would hear you with clarity. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to thank Pastor Dennis and Pastor Jane for allowing us to come and minister to you and, and share uh, what we feel the Holy Spirit saying, what, what we want to answer the questions that, that Pastor Dennis, Pastor Jane, that you have in regard to your next season of helping people, feeding people, clothing people, whatever it may be. So what we do in Mandubra, I call it Fundabra. Everyone say Fundabra. Because you've got to make it fun. What we do in Mandubra is, obviously, we, we pastor the church New Life Centre Mandubra, and there is multiple testimonies of what God's done in our ministry there. And uh, that's really cool, like miracles, signs and wonders, stuff along those lines. But we also run a community care arm, which we started. It's called Life Care Mandubra. And... Uh, That's the sort of direction that I feel you guys are are wanting to head into, you know, helping people, helping them in their everyday life, not just feeding them and clothing them, but that ministering to them, telling them the gospel message. So that's what we do in Mandubra, in Fandubra, but we make it fun. To get to that place or to get to this place as as a minister or as, as a strong Christian, who knows that there's some battles we've got to go through. Now, war is tragic. It's horrible. And it's not something that anyone would really choose to. Oh, yeah, let's just go to a war zone and, you know, participate. Wars are won on the battlefield. And a battlefield can be anywhere from the classic traditional Green grass, you know, the, uh, the plains you see in the movies. The warriors line up and they charge each other. Who knows what I'm talking about? To a battlefield that's the uh, jungles of a distant country or the desert of somewhere, to or to the streets of cities around the world, like Ukraine and, and Israel right now. It's tragic what's going on. But let me tell you, a battlefield is closer than you think. Whether you like it or not, it's in your mind. The enemy, the devil, sometimes uses you to fight against you. Who knows what I'm talking about? I struggled with that a long time. It's weird that the enemy could use me to fight against me, to destroy myself. Let me tell you, some of the decisions I've made in my life that got me to where I was... Oh, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be dangerous. I think it'll be amazing. And those those decisions ended up in doing the wrong thing, committing criminal offences, ended up in jail. Life-changing decisions that were tragic. And then some of those decisions led me to depression or anxiety or frustration to the point of, you know, just hating everyone. The good, the bad and the ugly decisions of life, we all make. Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. Now, some of that thinking starts out as a seemingly okay thought. You know, you're invited. Do you want to come to the party? And I think, yeah, I'll go to the party. That's not a bad decision. And the next thing you know, you're doing shots and you're staggering and you can't stand or you're sleeping in your vomit Maybe not everyone, but that was me. Or stealing something from the corner store as a little kid. Not yesterday, but as a little kid. This is a long time ago. <laughs> Playing with the neighbours. And they were older than me, like a couple of years, and they said, oh, Helen, go across the road. You can see the corner store. Go in and open the fridge, take a bottle of Coke and bring it back. I thought, yeah, that's great. I want, I want friends. They, they're my friends. I'll go and do that. Sneak in, shopkeeper, comes out, what are you doing? I'm just putting it back and then ran off. Some of these decisions that we make are bad decisions. Or not investing money where God told me to invest it back in the day and uh, just didn't work out, I lost that money. Not even asking God, God, what do you want me to do with this money, the extra money? Or depression, thoughts like, I'm a loser. I can't find anyone to love me. I used to have those thoughts. Who knows what I'm talking about? These thoughts can lead us away from life, lead us away from who God says you are, who God sees you as. Now understand that everyone has good thoughts, bad thoughts, Everyone struggles with what decisions to make. And uh, we all have that struggle. Do you know anyone who doesn't have those struggles? No. So every one of those thoughts have, that you've ever had have led you to this moment and this point in time. You might think, well, I chose to eat a wheat bix this morning. That didn't lead me here. No, it didn't. But you know what I'm talking about, those serious thoughts that you needed to make, you know, shall I live here, shall I live there, shall I live in Boona, should I come to this church, should I like Pastor Dennis, he's pretty cool, I should like him. Those thoughts that you had, they've led you to this point in this moment in time. I put it to you that God, even not just the big thoughts but the little thoughts, the little decisions you need to make, God is interested in your thoughts. But so is the enemy, the devil. Hence the battlefield of our mind. So what is the battlefield of our mind? It's where we win or lose in life, every area of life. If I'm thinking that my life is a mess, it's broken, that I'm worth little, if anything, that there's nothing to live for that I'm never going to get a job, if I'm thinking, if I keep in that mindset that I'm useless, I've made too many mistakes, no one's ever going to love me, then what's the point of life? That would be my argument. If you come to me and said, oh, I've got this great job opportunity, do you want it? No, I just, I can't see a future for tomorrow, man. I just, who knows what I'm talking about? And you probably think you can probably think of someone now that you know that's in that mind frame or mindset of whether it be depression or anxiety or fear and struggle or maybe addiction. They just couldn't believe that their life could be anything better than what it is or what it's been. Who knows what I'm talking about? Who knows someone in that? Don't look across the room and point at anyone. And and the simple fact is that those people, maybe you at some time in your life, I know it was for me, that they've been losing in the battlefield of their mind for some time. It doesn't just happen overnight. Maybe you know someone who's addicted to a substance, stuck in a rut or a cycle of repeating the same mistakes. Someone who can't put down the bad attitude or the unforgiveness. Maybe they're filled with anger or depression. There are so many other examples, but whatever it is, they are simply losing in the battlefield of their mind. Maybe they've been losing for some time. I was in that place losing in the battlefield of my mind and and that's what led me to being a person that was depressed and anxiety and ended up doing criminal activity and ended up addicted to drugs and ended up in jail. But by the grace of God, by the grace of God, He's brought me out of that. I never saw myself as being married or could be married or anyone that would love me, but now I'm married. I've got two awesome kids. They're not with us today, they're at, uh, at home. Marcus is six foot nine, and Alyssa's a little bit taller than me. Marcus is a software engineer, and Alyssa's learning to ride horses and, and have an equine business. And my amazing wife, she's my assistant pastor and, you know, the backbone of my life, Jesus is. But she helps me, tells me what to do, (laughs) tells me what to do and how to do it. But God's changed my life. Because you need to understand that way back in the day, if I didn't win in the battlefield, begin to win in the battlefield of my mind and actually see a future for myself in Christ, she wouldn't have married me. So I had to start winning. But I have been in that place where losing in the battlefield of my mind is just daily. Here's what I've learnt. For example, the addiction to drugs. The addiction wasn't because it was in my pocket. My depression, my anxiety, my struggles wasn't because it was in my pocket, it was because it was in my head. It was in my mind, and this is the same for almost every struggle. I was losing in the battlefield of mind, and this is relevant in every area, from addictions of drugs and smoking cigarettes to, to bad attitudes to lying to immoral thinking, unforgiveness, revenge, murderous attitudes or thinking or revenge or spite. Who knows what I'm talking about? So, how could I start winning in the battlefield of my, my mind? How can you start winning in the battlefield of your mind? If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is the key. We, see, we need to see what the Word of God says. Don't just take my word for it. <clears throat> we need to see what the Word of God says. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Who's seen the exercise? Maybe you saw it at school or on, on, a, on, a, on a YouTube thing where they've got a, a big flask of water and they've put coffee in it and it turns coffee colour and they stir it around. Then they put a cup of water in it and it doesn't do anything. Another cup and it starts to overflow. Another cup of water, another cup of water, another cup of water and it just it's still pretty dirty, with the colour of water. Who knows what I'm talking about? Who's seen this exercise? They keep putting water in it, fresh water, until all that coffee colour is washed out, overflows. Anyone seen that exercise? So it's out with the old and in with the new. They have to to change the colour of that water back to clear water again without the coffee stain colour in it. They have to keep putting fresh water in. In the battlefield of the mind... If I'm constantly putting that, that coffee colour in, if I'm constantly putting those negative thoughts in or those struggles or those issues or that addiction or that low self-esteem, I'm never going to change that colour in my mind. I'm never going to be a clear, focused person in my mind. I'm never going to win in the battlefield of mind if I'm constantly putting that, that, that issue in. I've got to start flushing it out. The only way to flush that stuff out is with the word of God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Reading from the Amplified Version. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Imagine if you knew the will of God. I wonder what God's will is about this issue or about that issue or where I should spend my money or what I should name my children. I wonder what God's will is for my tomorrow. Imagine if you knew the will of God, every decision you made would be then therefore beneficial for you. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? So that scripture gives us the idea, the hint, the direction, the insight in how to know God's perfect will for you. I'm going to read it again, verse 2. I'm going to read from the amplified version. The hints in this verse. Do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind focusing on godly values and ethically ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you that's the amplified version of verse 2 So I don't know about you but when I read that I thought I need to know the will of God for my life because my life was a mess. When I gave my life back to the Lord, Romans 12, 1 and 2 was key verses to being transformed to who I am or being on that journey to who I am today. And it takes time to get it right but it's worth it. Winning in the battlefield of our minds is the process of us being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And when you're winning in the battlefield of your mind regularly, the devil will not stand a chance. He won't be able to win in your life. He won't be able to turn you against yourself or you against your children or you against your neighbour anymore if you win in the battlefield of your mind the only way i found to be effectively transformed by the renewing of, our, of my mind was to win in the battlefield of my mind more often than not and and that is only done by out with the old and in with the new everyone stay with me out with the old in with the new so what is the new it's the word of god It's giving him my thoughts and putting his thoughts in my mind. Putting his heart in my mind. Why would we want to give us, sorry, why would we want to give God our thoughts? That's a great question. What's the point of that? What's the point of giving God my thoughts? It's an act of surrender. It's an act of submission. It's an act of Uh, leaning into relationship with him and essentially it's more than that might I suggest it's an act of high worship as highlighted in Romans chapter 12 verse 1b it's high worship says your this is your spiritual act of worship Even King David wrote about this in Psalm 139, verse 23. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and leads me along the path of everlasting life. So you know in yourself, and I'm not pointing the finger at anyone or judging you. Please understand, I've had to judge myself. But you know yourself what you've done in the last two weeks. And if you read that scripture, point out anything in me that offends you and leads me along a path, sorry, offends you, Lord, and you lead me along the path, the path of everlasting life. I know that there's things in my life that would have offended God that I've done in the last two weeks or thought or imagined or, or reacted. When those things happen, I have to win. I have to combat that stuff in my mind. No, that's not my thought. I will not accept it. Why? Because I'm not conforming to the pattern of the world anymore. I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind, out with the old and in with the new. Yeah. As we submit and surrender to his way of thinking and his method of dealing with some of our thoughts, then he will transform us. Because you know what? I tried to do it at my own strength so many times. Tried to give up drugs one time had a bag of drugs. I thought, oh, no, I just can't do this anymore. It, it's ruining my life. It's ruining my health. And, you know, my family's, not, not Marisha and the kids, but my, my sisters and my parents, my, my grandparents, like it's just ruining that relationship. And I, I just had it and I was determined. I threw it in the toilet and flushed it. Three minutes later, I'm thinking, you idiot! Because I had an addiction. The battlefield up here. I couldn't do it in my own strength. I had to surrender those thoughts to God. I had to give that addiction to God. As we submit and surrender to his way of thinking and his way of dealing with some of our thoughts, then he'll transform us to be more like Christ, to think more like Christ, to to react more like Jesus. To react more like Jesus And to even love others like Jesus. Who's had a struggle in their life loving people like Jesus loves people? But you see, in that moment right there, if we could think like Jesus, react like Jesus, love people like Jesus, right there would be a person transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right there would be a person, a depiction of a person living and walking out according to the Spirit of God as noted in Romans 8, 5 to 8. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting your, the Spirit, Holy Spirit that is, Control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why we can't do it in our own strength. That's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature can never please God. So right there in that scripture is the process of dealing with old thinking. Say it with me. Out with the old And in with the new. So you might ask, well, how do we do that? What is this process? And that's a great question. The simplest way to win in the battlefield of our minds is recognising what's not of God, counteract it with the truth, which is the word of God, replace it with what is of God. In other words, his word. So when a thought comes and I recognise that's not my thought, that's, that's, that's a temptation or that's a depression or that's an addiction or that's a struggle or that's of the enemy. Whatever that thought is, I say this quick prayer out loud most times. That's not my thought. I reject that thought in Jesus' name. Say it with me. That's not my thought. I reject that thought in Jesus' name. Even, even the fear that would be coming out today. You know, who, who turn the media on, you'll see war, rumours of war, dire issues with finances, countries falling apart, people killing each other, ridiculous stuff. Who, who's seen that rubbish? Jesus said it's going to happen. But you don't have to fear it. Because even though Jesus said in the end times, this will happen, that will happen, but... The gospel will be preached. And that's what he means is that'll be preached with power. So no matter what our, our struggle is, what our, our thoughts are. Take, for example, you get a sport of a, a thought of spite or revenge because someone's just said something or did something wrong against you. They kicked your dog. They threw rubbish over your fence, scratched your car. So the rubbish over your fence, you just go and bag it up, put return to sender on it and jam it in their letterbox. No, that's the old thinking. Although I've done something similar. But you simply say, that's not my thought. I will not accept that thought. I reject that thought in the name of Jesus. And then I pray for that person. Pray for them to be forgiven. Who knows where they're at? Who knows what they're going through? They've obviously got issues if they're saying stuff against you or, or abusing you or kicking your dog. They've got something going on. They're losing in the battlefield in their mind. They are loved by Jesus. And that's a hard thing to come to sometimes. A person's just murdered someone. Jesus loves them. Jesus loves the victim too. It's difficult to think, you know, but that's a big bad sin. That's right, but he died for us. He died for them before they were born. He died for you and I before we sinned. His grace surpasses our understanding. So, Lord, that person sinned against me. I forgive them. The thoughts of revenge, that's not my thought. I reject those thoughts. I I, I will not accept those thoughts in Jesus' name. Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, just like Jesus said on the cross. Forgive them, Lord, bless them, protect them, save their soul. That's what Jesus meant in Matthew chapter 5, 43 to 44. Pray for those who persecute you. In other words, love your neighbour as your enemy. This is spiritual warfare. If I don't love my enemy, if I don't forgive them, if I don't battlefield in my mind with those thoughts, who knows I'm not going to be able to turn the other cheek. I'm going to jam the rubbish in their letterbox, scratch their car, let their tyres down and and impound their dog. It's not going to stop. Because it'll be tit for tat. If we don't respond this way in the battlefield of our mind, then that thought of spite will eat you. Who knows what I'm talking about? It'll nag at you. That temptation, if you don't combat it, it will will weigh you down. It will become a dominating thought process and even taint the way you see people who look similar or respond in a similar way. If I said to you, just the word purple, everyone sees purple, everyone knows what it looks like, but they're all different taints of colour, purple. If I said to you, criminal, everyone pictures a criminal, but they're all different types of criminals. So I need to win in the battlefield of my mind regularly so that when I see the criminal on TV or see the the issue or struggle or the temptation comes, I combat it. No, that's a criminal, yes, but Jesus loves them. And I need to forgive them. It's not easy. But it's worth it. If you can win in the battlefield of your mind. On a regular basis. that's revival in your life. And here's another example which I've got in my book. That. I used to struggle with inappropriate thoughts. Not just violence and killing people, because I used to struggle with that, but inappropriate thoughts. Because in my older days, looking at those images, watching those movies, was just too much. So, you know, as a Christian, as a pastor of a church, you know, I used to struggle walking into the shopping centre and there's displays, there's pictures, there's pretty girls everywhere. The thought, the temptation, the memories of those other images would come because the enemy had come and go. Poke, 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 poke. Blah, they're rubbish in my mind. So the struggle was, Lord, I can't deal with this because it gets tiring. Who knows? Temptation gets tiring. Doesn't matter what it is—temptation or depression or anxiety or fear—it gets tiring. I just don't want those thoughts, Lord. Get them off me. Get them away from me. It gets tiring. The Holy Spirit revealed to me one day, just showed me the picture of Elijah on Mount Carmel battling the, not that it was much of a battle, but battling the prophets of Baal. Who knows the story? 400-something prophets of Baal. And he said, all right, you know, let's see who, whose God is real. Create, build your altar. I'll build an altar. We'll sacrifice a bull on each one. But you've got to get your God, Baal, to send fire to burn the altar. Then we'll know. That your God, Baal, is real. This is what Elijah said. And if you can't, we'll see if God can. And if he does, whoever wins will worship, as in Israel, will worship that God. And they agreed to it. And you know the story. The prophets of Baal couldn't get the fire lit. They couldn't call fire down from heaven. Then Elijah said, right, it's my turn. You've had your day, had your moment. And he's built the altar and he's put the oxen on the altar and he's poured water on it. He's called fire down from heaven and it quenched everything. It burnt up everything. Who knows the story? So what the Holy Spirit showed me was this altar of sacrifice. And I got my daughter to draw it on the back. An altar of sacrifice that I need to, in my mind, in my words, Cast those temptations, those thoughts, those memories, that sin onto the altar of sacrifice just in the spirit and ask, Lord, burn it, I pray, with your fire from heaven. So the thoughts, the temptations had come, and I go, That's not my thought. I reject that thought in the name of Jesus. I cast those thoughts onto the altar of sacrifice, and Father, I ask that you would burn it with your fire from heaven in Jesus' name. The temptations sort of went down. It's like, Oh, yeah, that's, that's actually worked. But it was still tiring was well, still a struggle. Walk into the next shopping centre, same thing. Memories of all that stuff. I don't want these memories, Lord. You've changed me. I'm a new creation. Combating it with scripture. Combating it with, you know, who God sees me as now. Not who I used to be. And then he gave me the revelation. Pray for those who persecute you. So, the temptation had come. The memories of those images would come. Lord, I reject those images. I renounce them. I cast those memories onto the altar of sacrifice. Not the people, the memories or the temptation or the struggle or the addiction or the the thoughts and the memories of sin. Whatever it was, I cast onto the altar of sacrifice, Lord. I ask that you would burn it with your fire from heaven. And then I pray for those people. And my prayer was simply, Lord, I pray for every person I've ever seen in those images. Every person the enemy has ever tempted me toward or, or lasted after. Every person, Lord, I pray for them. I pray for them not just for their salvation, but for every contract, physical and spiritual, to be cut off, to be broken. Set them free, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Guess what? Temptation stopped. Never ever before in my life has temptation, that temptation ever stopped before. Because the devil don't want you praying for him. He doesn't want you praying for those people. He doesn't want you praying for your neighbour that's tossing the rubbish over your fence, kicking your dog. He doesn't want you praying for the people that are accusing you of you being a fake Christian or this or that or or stealing money from you. He doesn't want you praying for those people, especially when it's a heartfelt prayer, especially when there's no more bitterness or unforgiveness, especially when there's no more resentment, especially when you are winning in the battlefield of your mind. The temptation stops. The struggle stops. And I can tell you that this book was at least two or so years in the process of, of writing. And when those temptations come, it's like, no, nah, I reject that. On the altar, burn it, Lord, in your, in your name, in Jesus' name. And I pray for those people and it just stops again. And there's testimony, of, not, not in here, but testimony I've given the book to people, uh, men... And, and a 70-year-old guy came back to me the next week and said, I just couldn't believe it. The temptations just stopped. I said, that's right, mate. God is real. God loves you and each one of you here today, God loves you unconditionally. He's already forgiven you. He's already forgiven you for the things that you haven't forgiven yourself of. Those unforgiveness things that you're forgiving yourself is you need to cast on the altar of sacrifice and go, God, I reject that unforgiveness because you've forgiven me. How dare I not forgive myself? I let it go. I give it to you. I walk hand in hand with you, Lord, who you see me as today. Redeemed, set free, healed, restored. Beautiful. You're beautiful. Amazing. That's all right. God has set you free. And, and if I could call the, the worship team up, just in closing, just imagine a church full of people winning in the battlefield of their minds. Just imagine... A church full of people winning in the battlefield of their minds in every area of their lives. What that means, that means revival. Revival in your life to the point where your neighbour, your brother, your sister, your family go, something's changed about you. I don't know what it is, but I need it. You're just always happy. You're always excited. You're not depressed anymore. You're not struggling with this or that anymore because I saw that in the past in your life. But now it's different. You're not that person. I need what you've got. That's revival. Because you start to win in the battlefield of your mind. That is contagious. You can share that with people. That's revival. It takes time to get it right, but it's worth it, I can tell you. Winning in the battlefield of our minds is the process of us being transformed by the renewing of our mind, being transformed to be more like Jesus. That is his word, that is his heart, that we, um, uh, we're, we become more like Christ in everything we do. A church full of people winning in the battlefield of your mind. Being led by the Holy Spirit. The enemy can't stop that. The enemy's tried to stop the church since the crucifixion. He can't. He cannot stop the church because Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. I will build my church. Can we stand for a moment? Thank you Jesus. I'd like to op- open the altar in just a moment for people who would like prayer because God sees you differently to what you see yourself. You might see yourself as, well, I've got this issue, that issue, that struggle. I still hate my brother or my sister. I still have unforgiveness even toward myself. Or I've got this illness, this ailment, but why hasn't God healed me? God sees you differently to what we see ourselves. As we sing this song, and if you've got any of those struggles in the battlefield of your mind... I'd love to pray for you. Whatever that struggle is, whatever the temptation is, whatever the hurt is, whatever the issue is, maybe you just need a bit more confidence in the Holy Spirit to help you win in the battlefield of your mind. If that's you today, I'd love to invite you up the front. Myself, Pastor Marissa, Pastor Dennis, Pastor Jane, would love to pray for you. Whatever it is, Let's worship God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you were blessed with today's message. You can connect with us at PasifanChristianChurch.com.